Hey, what's up, listeners? We are back and we are continuing with the Mummy series. Now, we originally did the Tom Cruise movie called Mummy that was supposed to launch the Dark Universe. And we figured since we punished ourselves, (laughs) we would actually have a little bit of fun and watch the original Mummy movie. Well, I shouldn't say original because that would be way back um but the brendan fraser mummy movies now we went over the first one and that was certainly as fun as i remember it but what about the mummy returns does that one still hold up today that's what we're going to talk about rob obviously you're back to talk about this and you know my initial thoughts are it does there are some things about this that it's not as tight as the first one in certain aspects, uh, but without getting too much into it, still a very enjoyable film. It is it is as, as enjoyable as I remember it. It is as enjoyable also as I remember it. I've never had a bad time watching this movie. I think it's interesting to watch them back to back the way that we have been and kind of just see some of the things that you may not have picked up on um, if you if you kind of put a little bit of space in between them. I think there's some really interesting character progressions that happen here. We, we talked about how great Rick and Evie were as, as a couple and as a dynamic duo in the first film. And the natural progression of that relationship happens here. And, and there's some really great bits between the two of them. They work so well on screen. They're parents now. There's so many things that work and feel like just the, the, the film and the characters within it of the first one have progressed naturally. Everything makes sense. And then there are some things that don't necessarily work super well, but overall, like if you've never seen this movie and you're trying to decide if you should watch it or not, you should watch this movie. This is, this is a ton of fun and I'm glad that we got a chance to revisit this. Yeah, no, I I am too. And you know, I I'd like to talk first about a couple of the things that I know have been talked about over time um, and a couple of nitpicks, but we'll get those out. You know, we'll get those out of the way. one is, uh, you know, this was a big deal. It was going to be the, you know, one of the, a, a really big role for Dwayne, the rock Johnson, who at the time, you know, was really kind of coming in, um, to the movie industry and, and starting to do things, um, playing the scorpion King, which would get its own spinoff. I only recognize one of those movies that stars him, <laughs> but, um, you know, horrible horrible cgi for him in this movie uh it it's almost worse for me in this day and age because we've seen some really good cgi over the years so when there's really bad cgi from previous you know from past movies it sticks out like a sore thumb to me um and it did so more than ever on this rewatch yeah and it and I think I know where, which scene specifically you're talking about, but the opening, this oasis in the desert, it just really shows how far CGI has come. It is bad in the beginning and it only gets worse. So uh-huh. you, you're, you're talking about when he shows up at the end of the movie uh, as, as the scorpion version Correct. of the scorpion King. So let's just go ahead and get into it because I think that's one of the, like one of this movie's longest lasting kind of images the they have this and I'd kind of forgotten the setup. So they have this moment where, you know, you you kind of get the idea that the Scorpion King is going to come. And he's he's the next thing that's kind of coming out. And so they've got him in this shadow and it's dark and you can see the silhouette, but you can't really see him. And then you see him and you just wish they would have left him in the dark because holy cow, does he look terrible? He looks so plastic. He could choke half of all the world's sea life. It is absolutely atrocious. He looks like a cutscene from like a Dreamcast game. Like uh, it, even worse, <laughs> the early episodes of South Park that were made out of construction paper looked better. The Rock's wrestling career was more realistic than his CG design. Yeah. It literally looks like someone tried to put The Rock's face on the dancing baby's body from the late '90s. Remember the Uga Chaka baby? Yeah, that's what The Rock character of the scorpion king looks like if somebody took his face on the dancing baby's body it's it it is by far 
my favorite example of bad CG that's ever been used in a movie. It, it, this is the high water mark for just eh, good enough. Right. Yeah. It's almost like they like ran out of budget or something, but so you have some, some questionable CGI in this movie for sure. Uh, one of the other things, some of the framing and some of the shots are, are not as tight in, in this movie as it was the first. And, you know, one glaring one, and it stuck with me when I first saw it, and it, and it's always just been a thing. Um, that first scene, well, not the first scene, but when we first get introduced to the O'Connells, uh, we find out, you know, they're they're exploring another tomb, you know, salvaging, scalvaging, whatever you want to, you know, whatever it's actually called. Um, how is their eight-year-old boy face-to-face with Rick when he startles him. Because the next shot, he's not standing on a crate. There's nothing there. How are they face-to-face in that scene? (laughs) Movie magic, I guess. Yeah, like, I I always thought, like, wait, how the hell are... Like, I always thought that when I first saw that, like, wait, how the hell are they even... How are they at eye level right now with each other? Like, it Um, makes... Maybe he ate one of those like eat me and drink me things from Alice in Wonderland that makes you shrink and grow really fast. Right. It's it was just a weird scene. Um, I know also some people have complained about the continuity of that. Alex shouldn't actually be the age that he is. The time doesn't actually add up. Um, But that's something that I can just say. Yeah, I don't really care. Like there's, there's a moment in the movie. They, they say something about nine years, uh, has passed, um, since the events of the first one. I, I, I believe that that number stands out. Does that sound familiar to you? Something like that. Yeah. He, he looks maybe a little older than that. And, uh, he, he's definitely, he behaves a lot older than that, I guess is what I would say. I, it's, yeah. it, it's a little like I'm with you. The, the continuity there feels a little off, but it's one of those things where, in in a movie that's not as much fun with characters that we don't like as much, we don't forgive those things as easily. Like those things would stand out and be bothersome in a movie that is less fun to throw on, have a great time, enjoy, laugh, and and just really get pulled into. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, again, that will be talked about with these movie strong suits. One other thing, again, I just, I want to get these out of the way is, you know, the movie does have a pretty big retcon um, with Rick having the tattoo that he's a warrior of the Magi, because there are so many opportunities in that first movie to see his wrists and a, specifically where they have this on his arm, where they have this tattoo in the second movie, it is clear as day. You you don't have a goddamn tattoo in the first movie at all. The whole previously unseen and unmentioned tattoo bit has always been one of my least favorite aspects of this movie. And honestly, it, and yes, it, you're right. It is 100% a retcon because you can go back and everybody can clearly see in the first movie that it's not there. But even more that I don't need Rick to be the chosen one. I don't right. need him to be. Uh, deemed special or fate is going to bring. I I like his character better when he's kind of like the roguish wise ass who is confident. He has skills. He always gets himself into bad, sticky situations, but always kind of finds himself getting out of it. Like, do you like Han Solo as he is, or do you like the idea that he's force sensitive and that's how he always beats the odds? Because I like the first one better. Yeah. I absolutely like the first version, that first idea of the character better. And I feel that same way about Rick. I don't, in fact, I actually dislike the idea of him as this chosen one. And that's how he's always, he's fated and destined to get into ancient Egypt and find all of these supernatural objects of power and, and be able to defeat them because he's the one that's chosen. I hate that bit. Yeah. Um, And then the last thing is, you know, this is one of those. And again, these are things that would be very hard to look past in a bad movie because it's it would just be thing after thing after thing. But 
the the last thing that I was like, yeah, um, that's why I don't feel this movie is as tight as the mummy, but are we supposed to really believe and, and maybe you chalk it up to the fact that the kid's distraught because he's trying to bring his mom back from the dead. Um, are we supposed to believe that Alex, after reading that whole goddamn book and seeing how smart he is throughout the entire movie, he can't remember the one symbol that his uncle Jonathan knows? <laughs> yeah, and and this is one of the things I kind of alluded to earlier when you watch these back to back. The the three way battle climax is cool. Like when there's like three different ba- you've got the Magi on the outside fighting the uh, the the you know supernatural army. Yeah, um, Anubis's army. Yeah, you've got Rick battling Imhotep, and and you've got Evie battling Anoxim and Moon, Anoxin and Moon. Oh, God, I can't, uh-huh. You can't even pronounce all these things. But then like the whole. Um, like remembering the line, like they're in the middle of they're they're in the middle of a battle and they're trying to yell out Egyptian translations to each other. They just did that in the first movie. Like we just watched that and uh-huh. they just redid the same gag and it's funny. Like it's well done, but we've just seen this. And I like, I never really kind of noticed that until this time. Cause we just watched the other one two weeks ago. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, again, those are things that are, again, don't make this movie as well-rounded as the first one. Not to say I haven't enjoyed it because I really did. And you mentioned it and it, again, it is this cast. It is, it, it is the cast. They work well off each other. The addition, I don't know the actor's name who plays Alex. It's, uh, I don't know it off the top of my head. But he is very good. It is very believable that he is Rick and Evie's son. I do like his relationship with Jonathan. Like it does feel like a family dynamic. I, and he I, feels I like, like that kid uh, and the actor's name is Freddie both, by the way. OK, um, Alex feels like he should be Rick and Evie's kid. One hundred percent, like very well written, well cast. And, and well-directed because he's a young, very, very young kid in this um, to be able to pull off what he pulls off. You know, he's in quite a bit of peril at different points of this movie. And yet he's able to balance how scared a kid should be when you've got that scary guard with him all the time with, you know, still being resourceful, still getting, you can see the elements that he inherited from his mom. You can see the elements he inherited from his dad. It's really kind of like, you know, the boiled down the best of the two of them together, the most interesting and unique aspects of the two of them together. And he still is able to pull that off. And sometimes with kids, that's hard to do. Mm -hmm. You know, you think about how much he was asked to do in this. Um, I, I just, I love that character. And, uh, you know, I, I think it was just incredibly well executed. Like I said, there's, there's so many challenging things for him to, to have to do. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's well done. Um, you kind of mentioned there's some things that we we sort of we we love this movie, but we kind of go eh, if this was a lesser movie, we we dislike this. I I love myself a good sword fight. I mean, there's there's few things I love in movies more. I would rather watch a great sword fight than a than a gun battle any day. I just there's mm-hmm. so much more interesting. There's so many more interesting things you can do, and this movie's got a pretty good one. Um, but. It's it only becomes a good sword fight because everybody involved in the sword fight agrees with uh, like unspoken uh, agrees to forget they have guns, too. Yep. And that kind of like those kinds of things bother me. It's like, okay, we could do that. But couldn't we have just like shot all of the ammo at first and you just see them tossing their their guns to the side? Like those kind (laughs) of things do tend to stand out to me um, and kind of bother me a little bit. The other thing I want to know. You know, we've we watched a lot of Indiana Jones movies this year. We're, we're watching The Mummy. And in all of these movies that involve ancient sealed tombs, there's always piles of snakes or scorpions. Why are they here? And what exactly have they been eating for the last two to three thousand years? Like, right. why aren't they just dust? How are those still there? Like, I, I always want to know the answer to that. Like, it's a cool effect. And it makes for this, you know, great, creepy, gross out, like you know, trap that the heroes have to get through when, when you see this kind of movie. But I always want to know, like, how are they, how are they surviving? Like, how is there even oxygen in some of right. these places? 
yeah, no, that is that is interesting. Um, again, cool, like you know, cool shot, everything like that. Um, now, and I'll tell you the one other thing that I always have to. It just occurred to me watching this. Like we we see kind of setups like this in a lot of movies, but it is a bit weird to me that these ancient priests would hate and fear someone so much that they would curse them for this life and the next, but also create a mechanism whereby right. they could be brought back to life and have world conquering level power all at the same time. It yeah. does feel a bit weird that they do both. It's like, all right, we're going to lock this door, but we're going to give you like the star man when you get out somehow, <laughs> if you do this one secret thing, this one secret way, if this one person reads this one word, boom, you're back. <laughs> it yeah. does feel a bit weird. Yeah, no, it is. I We mentioned that in the first movie too. Like, you know, you sit there and it's like, okay, you just, you, you freaking kill them and you like, why, why would you do that? Um, but you they gave you him had, a get out of jail free card. Yeah. You had mentioned earlier how, um, you know, during that ending battle, you know, well, because we watch these movies back to back, we just saw that. But one thing that I, I do want to say, um, not about that scene. But I want to talk about the because we just watched the first one two weeks ago. Well, we just saw that what I actually really like about this movie and I appreciate it more now after seeing the first one so close to the second one, because, again, we had to wait a couple of years originally is the simple fact of sometimes it is very tough to make it so that repeating the villain in the very next movie feels any different or has us caring at all, but there's just that. And you said character progression, and there's just something about Emotep being the villain again. Cause again, the Scorpion Kings in this movie for what all of five minutes, six minutes, maybe, maybe eight max real realistically. Yeah, yeah. At the beginning, he's he's got a little bit, and he and they don't even really give him much to say. And what's interesting, if we get around to watching the actual Scorpion King movie, the number of lines of dialogue they give The Rock in that movie is almost nothing, which is probably for the best, because this was really at the beginning of his, his film career, where he was very limited with what he could feasibly pull off on camera outside of action scenes. And I, I certainly believe you can see a progression in him and, and he's a legitimate movie star now, but it didn't always start that way. Yeah, no. And, and I'm talking about simply too, for his screen time of being the actual Scorpion King, like oh, that, yeah. that model of him is not in this movie long. So Emotep is still the main villain, but he feels different. I still mm -hmm. like him. Um, you know, I like the the sort of new look, the black robe with the mask. Um, you know, it's a different take on it. But again, it's still the same scene where he raises the water up and chases the ship. Um, and it's his face in it, too. Right. And it's his face in it. But again, it it does feel different, not just because like, oh, it's water and not sand. But I'm still interested in Emotep. I, I I'm still like. Yeah, this is good. And, you know, talking about Alex and, and you know, that actor that was given a lot in this movie. Again, he he does it. We're like, yeah, he's scared for certain things, but he's a smart ass with the guard. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I have to go to the bathroom. You know, when he's face to face with Emotep, you know, my dad is going to kick your ass. And I actually believe that. Like, I believe yeah. he would like I believe he would say that like and where you said, like, it's totally feasible that like that is Rick and Evie's son. That's why that line works for me. It's because I'm like, yeah, you know what? I think this kid would say that to this guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you were trying to place where the, uh, that, uh, red guard guy that was primarily following, if you're trying to place him, uh, the actor's first name is Ottawale, and I'm not going to butcher his last name and disrespect him by not being able to pronounce it properly. But he was, he's actually been in quite a few things. Um, you might recognize him most recently as Killer Croc in Suicide Squad. If you're kind of like, man, that guy's got a very, very recognizable voice. I know I've seen him somewhere uh, or heard that voice somewhere. Um, that might be where you were you were hearing it most recently. Um, 
you know, you were talking a little bit about just their, their progression and the believability, especially of that family when their house is being attacked a little bit earlier than, than the scene we were just talking about. One of the things I loved about this, Rick and Evie don't even need to speak the escape plan. He just hands her the pistol. They nod and proceed to kick ass. And that tells you that this is obviously not the first time they've done it. We've seen them kick ass together in the first movie. This is clearly not the second, third or fourth time that they found themselves in this kind of situation and they just know what to do. And it's communicated that way so well together. Um, and, and I, and I just love seeing how, how that progression has happened. And, um, when we get to the tomb of the dragon emperor, it just makes that movie just so much more sad when you see Mm -hmm. how that progression has moved into this, uh, the bus scene that happens immediately after that, that has always been among my favorite action adventure set piece moments in movies. Like it's just, it's great. It's so memorable. And it's like, I knew it was one of my favorite scenes and I knew it was coming and it happened and I still loved it. And I just, it's so much fun. Well, even because again, you have the setup before that and it's going back and watching these things. Number one, the setup of, uh, Evie, what are you doing, hon? These guys don't use doors. Like, you know, <laughs> that's pretty funny. And then that bus coming around the corner and like Jonathan and Alex arguing is actually funny at no point in time. And again, like in a lesser movie, you might stop and go, you idiot, shut up. Like you wouldn't be arguing, but like, I believe that this family dynamic with those two, they would take that time to be like, well, it's your fault. You broke the key. Like, I believe that would happen. And I love that bus scene. And, uh, you know, this is, it's not the first example. It's not the first example, but it's just another part in this movie where you sit there and go, man, Rick's a really good dad. Yeah. Like he, he just, he takes off after like he just takes off after Alex on foot um to try and go after him and you know when he picks him up and he's running with him to get to the temple because the the legend is that if he doesn't reach the pyramid by the 7th day like you know Alex will the bracelet will like suck the life out of him um and he picks him up and he's running with him and he jumps in and he's like you know being a dad's not easy. And Alex is like, but you're really good at it again. That's like a really, really wholesome moment. And I'm like, Oh, you two are, you two are cute. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. A hundred percent. And you know, we were talking about how much Rick and Evie work and you believe their progression as husband and wife. You also 100% believe them as a mother and father to this Mm -hmm. boy. And you believe Alex's character is their child and has the, those same reciprocated feelings to his parents. Like that whole family dynamic and actually I'll include Jonathan in there as well. Yeah. The only part of that, that foursome dynamic that I, I think doesn't work at all is towards the end of the movie when Evie is killed before the, she's resurrected, you know, Jonathan as her brother really doesn't seem all that distraught. Like he's, yeah. he is trying to comfort Alex, but I felt kind of like, even as like kind of his, his morals at times are a bit dodgy, let's say, you know, at best. But even still, I, f- I just kind of felt like, I don't know, dude, I think you should be a little more worked up than you are right now. Yeah. Um, I, that's the only complaint that I have in terms of that. Everything else about the four of them and their dynamic and the ebb and the flow uh, of how they, they work together and fit together and, and everything is believable and effective and works is flawless. Yeah. And I think too, that stands out with Jonathan in that scene, because you know, when that happens and that was certainly surprising to me when I first saw this movie, I was like, <gasps> like, Whoa, no way. Um, but I think why Jonathan stands out a little bit more as well is because, you know, when that happens and Rick sees it and he runs out there and he's like, Evie, Evie, but he's also sitting there. And again, this is why I like Rick so much in these movies and Brendan Fraser's performance is so good. Um, 
he says the line, he's like, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm interpreting that. And maybe I'm wrong here. Um, but he's still like, he still knows that there's this thing behind him. Like Emotep is in the temple. He needs to get into the pyramids. Like there's still this danger lurking where if Emotep gets in there and takes over the Scorpion King's army, it, it's over. But like, you know, his duty as a husband and him asking her, like, what do I do? Because he's like, uh, he's like torn right there. He, his duty is to his wife, but he also understands that I got to stop this guy. You know, there's a lot of ways you could interpret him saying, what do I do? I, I immediately, I, I took it to have multiple, multiple meanings, kind of what you're talking about. You know, what do I do as in, how do I save you? Like, how do I you know, apply pressure to stop bleeding or, or bandage, like, or is there a, med- a medicinal plant nearby I can give you, right. <laughs> you know, like, what do I do? Or like, what do I do as in realizing that this is possibly fatal? What do I do now with life and raising our son? And, and what do I do as in, how do I defeat the big bad that is literally in the pyramid behind me? You know, there's, there's all of those layers of, of subtext and, uh, um, you wouldn't expect to find that in this style of movie. Right. Uh, um, and yet here it is. Yeah. And I, I think that was a really good, you know, I think that was a really good scene. I also think he shows really good range and emotion when he actually goes in, um, to fight Emotep and, you know, he's, he's obviously angry. Um, he's a little bit more aggressive fighting Emotep. Um, and I even love the little acknowledgement at the end when, you know, Evie runs to save Rick and he's like, don't like, like, don't Evie. And she's like, she runs because they're both hanging over the edge. And, you know, Anox in the moon actually leaves Emotep and just that, yeah. you know, that acknowledgement of, okay, like, you know, you guys have what, what I wanted or what I once had and not all's for, you know, not all's forgiven, but it was just, it, it was cool. It was, it, I thought it was a good moment. I, I liked that actually a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was very telling, you know, whose, whose relationship matters more to each other. You know, one, one person was willing to, you know, kill lots of people and raise and perform these rituals to raise a guy from the dead. And, um, by the way, can we talk about how cool the costuming detail was on Anox and Moon's reincarnated character where it's yeah. kind of got the opening in the sleeves where it sort of mirrors the paint from the first movie? That was such a cool detail to me uh, and a nice callback that I don't know if you would necessarily notice it or catch it if you hadn't seen it somewhat recently or just, you know, watch these movies with frequency. But I definitely picked it up this time and I'm not sure I'd ever really caught that before. But I was like, wow, that's a really cool kind of throwback and a a little I wouldn't even call it an Easter egg, but just it was a really cool choice that I'm glad they they did. Uh, there's there's a scene a little bit earlier where um, and again, I don't love the idea of the reincarnated destinies kind of pulling them all together, but it does give you the opportunity to see uh, Evie as Nefer Nefertiri, I think is how it's pronounced. I'm probably butchered and I apologize, um, you know, with this this fight with, you know, Egyptian equivalent of a sigh against a Noxon and a moon and there are parts of this, this throne room fight scene that suck and they're uh-huh. not as bad as the last Jedi throne room fight scene, but it's not great all the time. There are some obvious missed hits. There's some real clunkiness and some slow parts where, you know, you should have used the stunt doubles um, that they, they actually know how to fight. And, you know, right. when, when they have to have the, the name actor, you know, have their face visible, that's when, it noticeably slows way down prior to that, you know, they're doing cartwheels and round offs and backflips and, you know, standing tucks and everything like that and have all this agility. And then as soon as the, the masks come up, it's uh, it's much clunkier. Um, I, I hate it when they do that. Just pull the camera back. Let us, let us see just real fighters kick ass a little bit and leave right. the masks down. So we don't have to pretend that it's not the actors. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I totally agree. And you know, quick little side side tour here, but 
it, not a lot of new characters. Um, yeah. In, in this movie, uh, there's the British create uh, creator or however you say that um, curator um, who I don't really care for. I, I, I don't really care. Um, I, you know, whatever, but I'll tell you what, one character I did love who's new was Izzy. And yeah. I thought he was funny. Um, the magic carpet. I thought that boat, you know, that, that hot air balloon slash ship was really cool. I also just, you know, you can tell that, and they talk about it, but you know, I sit there and based on their small interaction and how they are like, Oh man, I would have actually liked to see some of these adventures with Rick and Izzy. Um, they make, I'm like, that would have been cool to see. Uh, but he's fun. You know, he's funny. Unless you want to do it your way, guns blazing, running in, getting your friend shot in the ass. Like, <laughs> you know, he, he's another funny part of this movie. He was a, he was a really good addition. And again, it's, it's stupid. It really is. It's stupid, childish dialogue, but he's like, you give me that shiny stick thing. You can, you know, shave my head, wax me down and use me as a surfboard. And Rick's like, haven't we done that already? Again, that's like really childish, but again, they play it so well. And this cast works so great off each other that that's actually funny. It's a really childish line, but it's funny. It, it is funny. And you know, something you just kind of mentioned really got me thinking like, there's really not that many new characters in this movie. And think about when you, when you go to a sequel, how often, you know, either people don't want to come back or you killed somebody off or whatever the case is. I mean, you've got, you're saying big bad from right. the first movie. Um, you've got a lot of the original cast. There's not that many characters in this. And, and I don't consider like the extra Magi or the extra people that are with the curator. Yeah. I, I don't consider those like honestly new characters because they're not they're they're background. You know, yeah. I, I don't, I don't consider them actual characters. Like there's a focus on them. They're, they're just part of a, a, a bigger picture, but they're a very small part of that picture. Yeah. And the fact that nothing, you really didn't have to add that many new characters to this and it still works. We're still seeing kind of the same characters, even though they've progressed together on another adventure to stop the same big bad it's like it's really interesting that this works as well as it does um yeah. it's not something i'd ever really thought that much about before we kind of started talking about it tonight um and and largely like you know it's still ancient egypt which it ha kind of has to be with a movie called the mummy but you, you think about all the ways that they could have said okay audiences like the first one so we're going to give them a sequel but we've got to change it in some way so we're not giving them just the exact same thing and they kind of gave us the same thing, but it's still, but it doesn't feel like the same thing. And I don't know how to describe it any better than that. Yeah. I don't really think we have to describe it, um, you know, really any better than that. And, you know, one thing that I, I thought about when I was watching this movie and I was getting ready to, to talk to you is, you know, all of their relationship and them having a kid is just told to us. We don't actually see it. You know, we don't see any flashbacks of, you know, them having Christmas together or anything like that. It's just, yeah. hey, these guys have had a kid. They've had some more adventures. They've, um, you know, gone some on some exploring, everything like that. And it it works so well and you believe it. And it made me think about the fact of going from the Phantom Menace to Attack of the Clones, which, you know, we talked about that movie at length in one of our other reviews. But you don't believe any. That's one of the reasons why I don't think it worked. And I mean, they're not together a lot, but I don't believe any of Anakin and Obi-Wan's relationship. Now I know those prequels have, you know, over time been reviewed in a much better light. We certainly saw that when Hayden Christensen came back that, you know, the crowd absolutely adored him and, and wanted him back. And, and that's great. 
but it's never going to change my my opinion of those movies and the fact that you know all of their relationship we were supposed to know and certainly the clone wars tv show filled it in um but you know we were supposed to believe their relationship grew and blossomed you know without seeing any of it you don't see any of their relationship blossom really at all uh and it doesn't work in that but it works so well here i think what that really speaks to is just the the chemistry between actors and giving and i think good direction and good shot selection too giving them the opportunity where things seem like a pattern things seem like they've been through this like there there's a familiarity between the two of them that is obvious and present and it's uh you know it's it's good casting too yeah yeah i think it's Again, it is it is great casting, and I, I think that's you know when we get to Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, I, I always wonder w- would the exact same movie simply be better without the casting change? Yeah, it's it's one of the great what ifs. Like I've, I've just, I've always, I've always wondered that because it was even before seeing the movie, you know, I remember even back then, cause I've always just kind of, I've always had this thought process about movies, um, you know, as well before I decided to, you know, start recording on my phone three years ago and like, oh, maybe I'll just put some thoughts down because I'm at home because of freaking COVID and everything shut down. Um, I always looked at movies in that way as just, you know, and obviously Rob, you have too, but yeah, when, yeah, when that announcement was made, my thought was like, I don't know. I I don't want to see anybody else in that role. And, and certainly that's been proven wrong before, you know? Um, okay. It was recast. I mean, you know, I, I, I certainly think they got it right with Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner. I do think he was better. Um, than Edward Norton. I, I, I actually like that first Hulk movie, but I do think Mark Ruffalo was the right choice. Um, Particularly for the direction they took the character too. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, I still have never, and this was something we talked about. I, I certainly am not a fan really overall of, of Don Cheadle as, as yeah. Rhodey. Um, but there's, there's not a lot of, great track record of it working, but there certainly has been hits. Um, but it, it didn't work for tomb of the dragon emperor. And unless when we rewatch it, we're like, Whoa, wait a minute. Like what were we yeah. like? What were we watching? And and that kind of leads to some other, what if, so what if she was in it? What it would it have made the movie work? Okay. So let's say it did. Let's say the movie works let's say they don't have to write around something. They can really focus more on the things that did work because she's there and you have the ability to make that work. So is the movie received better? Does it continue on? Are we talking about the mummy 10? Are we talking about, you know, Brendan Fraser stays more in the public eye? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of what ifs. Yeah. There's a lot of what ifs with that, but, um, you know, it, it never happened. I still was surprised though. I mean, it still made money. Uh, I, I was always surprised that they did, you know, it never got another one. Um, certainly cause it was profitable and we've seen other movies that just, but also too, Brendan Fraser kind of dropped out and, you know, um, uh, really of kind of the Hollywood setting. So I'm sure, you know, obviously, because I, I do think I heard that there were talks about like continuing it without him um, before Tom Cruise, like before they even did the Tom Cruise one, that there were talks of doing something still in this universe where um, they were going to continue. Now, maybe that was the Scorpion King and then The Rock, you know, decided, no, I'm not doing it or whatever the case may be. But. This and they brought in Randy Couture instead. Yeah. You know, this is, <laughs> oh, you know, this is one of those series where it's like, yeah, um, I, I could have seen it still getting some more miles. Um, 
But I mean, listen, there's definitely worse films uh, than the Tomb of the Dragon Emperor in things like the Fast and the Furious franchise that continues yeah. to pump out sequels. There's definitely worse entries in Transformers and they keep making those movies. So, you know, anything's possible. But if I said to you, hey, there's a there's a teaser trailer getting launched tomorrow for The Mummy 4 and they're all back. How fast do you buy tickets? Yeah, I'm on it. I'm, Immediately. I'm, I'm on it. Immediately. So that'd be cool. But, you know, Rob, any, you know, any other topics that, you know, you want to talk about with The Mummy Returns? You know, there was, uh, you kind of mentioned uh, the character of Izzy. Uh, that character, as as kind of the comic relief, could have been written a lot of different ways and had him be less effective. I, I kind of feel very similar to the little pygmy zombies they run into in the, in the jungle. And I feel like those little, little things are just the right blend of funny lethal, you know, uh, and a serious threat all at the same time. They're not overpowered, but they're also not cannon fodder in the way that it doesn't feel like their difficulty tier gets ramped up depending on if they're fighting, Right. Uh, heroes or uh, or red shirts, you know, like it feels like their their abilities kind of in their, you know, lethality kind of stays consistent. Uh, overall, I think it's a really cool enemy they created uh, specifically for this film to kind of just make something different from the first one. And it really did stand out to me. I'd kind of forgotten about that altogether until I saw it. And uh, I, I liked that. I thought it was well done. Yeah, I thought that was well done, too. Um, we, we talked about it briefly in the beginning, but certainly. um you know, this, this movie it starts to end with a really bad shot of that pyramid um, <laughs> being yeah. sucked in uh, because, again, it's just a, a really crazy example of just, whoo, boy, um, CGI at the time. But again, it just, it, it really did. Like, this movie left me wanting more. And, and what more, like, what more could you ask for than, boy, I would love to see another one. Now, again, we're going to find out whether or not that is, um, has, cha- you know, has changed. Cause certainly it, we got more and for the most part, people are like, Oh, never mind. I wish we would have stopped it too. Um, <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see. Um, but I, I, you know, we're going to go with the Scorpion King next and we're going to go in order of how these were released. But, you know, Rob, if if you don't have any other thoughts on this, um, you ready to grab some popcorn or do you have any more? Let's uh, let's read for some popcorn. All right. Well, with popcorn time, I just a, a quick refresher and a recap of, you know, the overall movie and then how many buckets we're going to give this a popcorn. And, you know. I gave, we both did, uh, we gave the mummy five full buckets. It, it was fun. You know, we said, yeah, it's certainly not a perfect movie, but I, I just have a good time. I'm connected to the characters and sometimes that's all I need. I, I don't always need Shakespeare. I don't always need something that's like, it stops and makes me think about life or makes me grip the edge of my seat. Um, you know, makes me shed a tear or makes me hate somebody. Um, Sometimes I just need to have some good, wholesome fun. And that was the first movie. And that's the second movie as well. I have some good, wholesome fun. There's, you know, there's a great score. There is a great, great cast. And I cannot state that enough. This is, between these first two movies, a hugely hugely well put together cast who plays off of each other so well. And with all the movies that we've watched, it really is a cast that you go, wow, I would put this up there with their, with their dynamic and their ability to work with each other and feed off of each other up there with a lot of movies that I've seen that I would consider, you know, overall technical better movies than this but man this cast just it it makes you root for them it makes you cheer for them that you know it makes you worried about their safety so to speak and i just i want to stress that one last time 
But there are a few more errors in this one. So I can't give this one a five. Even though I really, really enjoy this movie, I do have to give this four and a half. I have to take off a half a bucket for, you know, some of those things that I talked about in the beginning. Some really bad CGI, some less than stellar actual camera shots compared to the first movie. But again, this was something that was incredibly enjoyable as much fun as I remember having with it. Um, and, and no new complaints, really. There, I, everything that I thought about this movie over the years that I've watched it multiple times, it's still the same little problems I have with it, but I don't find anything new. And sometimes with going back and watching these movies, again, mm. you sit there and go, oh, well, back then I didn't look at things the same or, you know, well, this was acceptable back then, but maybe I, it feels a little weird seeing this movie now just on how, you know, the world has changed or maybe my thought process has changed. But for everything that I remember great about this movie, it's still there. And for the small errors that are in this movie, those are still there. But there's nothing else that has come up and went, oh, wow, yeah. I don't remember this, but whew, this is bad. So again, four and a half buckets. Yeah, there's something to that idea of just the, the the way that a movie can just sort of percolate a little differently over time. Um, you know, I think the some, two great examples that we come back to are the second Matrix film and uh, Watchmen, you know, not regarded well initially. And then we kind of came back to it years later when, you know what, after you remove that initial sort of like just initial feeling and then you just look at it with fresh eyes and you can see it for what it actually truly is. Uh, do you still feel that way or not? And and we ha- we came away from that with different opinions. And I think that, you know, there's uh, to say that the CG in this movie hasn't held up well over time, I think isn't really even accurate because at the time it was made fun of. Like it was never <laughs> right. It was never like, oh, my God, the rock as as a scorpion, like running around looking so plastic that there's a little Swedish girl in braid sailing to the rock's house right now to protest him like there was there was never a time where that looked good. Everybody always laughed at it and thought it was stupid. So it's not like it's it's gotten worse over time. You know, I, I think those those things are all kind of still there. Um, so I, you know, we we kind of when we when we assign our ratings, it's it's based on how we feel about it in that moment in time. And if I were to have just watched this movie on its own, having not seen the first one within the last two weeks. I probably give it a five. Uh, you know, the little problems are there. I hate the tattoo thing. I hate the retconning. I just, I hate that. I don't think it's necessary, but it's still an incredibly fun movie. But given the fact that as I sit here today, as we sit and record this, I have just seen the first one and the first one is a better version of this movie. Um, the first one is a five. This one is a four and three quarters. I'd love to give it a five. I really wanted to give it a five. But I, I can't, I, I just, I simply can't. So it's four and three quarters for me. Uh, and I kind of feel bad even saying it that low because this is a movie I enjoy quite a bit, but um, there's definitely some technical issues. There's definitely some story issues. There's no casting issues. There's no performance issues really. Yeah. hundred percent agree with all of that statement. It was a f- blast to come back uh, to the series and, you know, more so than Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, I am in, very interested. This is one of those ones where I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to go back to the Scorpion King because I think that's one of those movies that if I really sit there and think about it, I believe I've only seen that movie twice. I've seen it once in and my I've seen lifetime. Dragon Emperor once. So. so. I am kind of I not enough to really feel like I remember anything about it. So I am actually looking forward to rewatching both of them because uh, it's been well over 15 years, I think, on yeah, both of them. It's been I don't know if it's been that long for me, but it's been a very, very long time. Um, and yeah, I don't remember a lot about the Scorpion King. Um, now, maybe when I watch it again, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I, I actually do remember much more of this than I thought. Um, but I'm going to be extremely interested to rewatch the Scorpion King. Um, and then we'll move on to Tomb of the Dragon Emperor and, and see, you know, maybe they're a little bit better than we remember them. Um, yeah. 
I certainly don't remember hating the Scorpion King. I just remember going, all right, it happened. Like, okay, I saw it. Don't love it. Don't hate it. It's a thing. I did it. It happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, and maybe that will still be the same thing. And, you know, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, I remember going, yeah, I didn't like that. This is a bad movie. Um, maybe that opinion will change. Maybe I'll say it's, well, no, this isn't a bad movie. This is a terrible movie. Maybe I'll say, eh, it happened. It's it's not what I wanted, but eh, it's not terrible. It, it's not actually terrible. Um, maybe I'll be like, wow, it's actually really good. <laughs> um, so I'll be interested to see where we where we land on those two. Yeah, it'll be good to kind of go back and uh, um, have an excuse to watch that. That's one of my favorite things about the show is is there's so many things that I haven't seen in so long. And I'm so glad we're, we're finally doing this again. We, we had talked about this on again, off again for a long time. Um, yeah. And it's one of the it's probably the film series we've talked about the most that we haven't just gotten to do. So uh, listeners, we appreciate you, uh, coming along the journey with us. And, uh, if you would like to send us your thoughts, you can do that. And if you would like to know how to do that, well, just listen in gentle listener. I will tell you exactly how you can get in contact with Matt goes to the movies. You can send an email mgttmpodcast at gmail.com simply the initials for matt goes to the movies podcast at gmail.com send us your thoughts on this series if you've actually watched any of the spin-off um sequels to uh, uh the scorpion king uh the aforementioned scorpion king 2 with randy couture that i've seen once i i got it at a blockbuster you remember when blockbuster was a thing i rented this movie from a blockbuster and watched it on purpose and regretted that decision immensely um but if you've seen those and any of the sequels to that one uh send us an email and let us know exactly how terrible they are we would love to hear from you make sure you check out the show on all of the social media places where you like to be um you can find matt goes to the movies on all of the big ones and if you are an international listener we definitely want to hear from you if you're listening to this in peru right now yeah we see you we know you're there go ahead email the show tell us what your thoughts are yeah this and again uh this is why I have you say it because I couldn't say it any better. So <laughs> listeners. listeners stay subscribed to the show. Cause yeah. not only do we have the, uh, the wrap up of the mummy series, but there's going to be the second annual year in review show coming up very soon. Uh, cannot wait to do that. That was a fantastic show last year to get to do. And uh, I can't wait to, to kind of, really go back and look at this year. It's going to be the end of the year before you know it. I'm really looking forward to the end of the year show. Really looking forward to uh, kind of having to think for myself, like what actually even came out this year? And then as we start thinking about what we're most excited about for next year, I've got some things that might surprise people that I'm going to have on my list of things I am most excited about. So uh, listeners, stay subscribed to the show. You should do that. You should definitely do that. And that way you won't miss a single episode. Yeah. Absolutely. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in for this episode and every episode before and after this one. Rob, thanks for joining us, and we are going to see you very soon here at Matt Goes to the Movies. <laughs>